Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight we've got another great topic for you. Uh, But before we get started, Eric, it's been a week. How's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, You know, I've got an addiction, and it's not what everyone thinks it is. It's nothing bad, necessarily. But you know what? You know, Justin, I'm a collector, right? Yeah. I like collecting premium figures and statues because I'm a child at heart and, you know, why not? Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, I've been on the internet all day today trying to decide whether or not to pull the trigger on something that, you know, I probably shouldn't. But I also had the money to do it. So <laughs> uh, sometimes I just tire myself out with it. Like, uh, why'd you have to get into collecting? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you made a valid point to me too, because I've, I've harassed you about it, but you could go out and sell these things for double, even triple than what you bought them for yeah. and have a security in case hard times happen. Right. And, and I think that's, I mean, that's one thing that helps me keep going. I don't know if that's good or bad necessarily, <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, I, I think depending on the collection, in my case, yeah, the things I collect tend to go up in price after they sell out. And so it's really investing uh, for the future in a way, uh, not, assist, not necessarily in hoping, at least, mm-hmm. that I won't need to sell that stuff to help out myself. But, you know, future family members, children, or right. et cetera, uh, will have those things to kind of lean back on and can make a decent amount of money off of uh so, yeah, I mean, you know, you're really not helping my case here because now that you brought that up and reminded me, it just makes it that much easier for me to go click the button on eBay and have what I need shipped from Japan. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it same reason I collected comic books as a kid. I, I loved reading them, but why did I save them for so many years before I finally was tired of lugging them around from house to house to house? was to hopefully they would go up in value. But the ones I collected were not necessarily ones that were going to really make me rich in the, in the long run. So, um, but, uh, all right, tonight we got a great episode for you. Um, it's a pretty hot topic. Wow. (laughs) I mean, this conversation might get heated. Jeez. <laughs> but uh, tonight we're talking about none other than uh, spontaneous human combustion. 
Um, this was actually brought up by Cat Word from Paranormal Heart in her group. She had posted this, you know, whatever happened to spontaneous human combustion? And it's a really interesting question because back in the 70s, 80s, even early 90s, you would hear about random cases of, of people just bursting into flames. And the last case that I came across, and um, we'll get into the cases in a little while, but the, the most recent case was in 2011 in Ireland. And I don't know if you came across any others, Eric, but it was interesting that it, the most recent case was not that long ago. Right. Yeah, you know, and it's it's weird because growing up, it was a very, no pun intended, it was a hot topic. Everyone was talking about it. And even in school, in my health class, it was actually in the book, in the workbook. Uh, and we had a whole section where we spent a couple of days talking about spontaneous human combustion. Um, and there was a sense of realism to it because even then nobody really knew what it was minus, uh, you know, a few presumptions, uh, a lot of it based on Dickens' original theory. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, since then, and probably why we don't talk about it as much is because there have been more uh, research-driven facts that have come out as of recent as to what it could be. Uh, again, there's no certainty, but there's possibilities, and those are some things we're going to get into. I think the first thing we really need to do here, though, before moving too far ahead, is actually just give a little definition of what exactly spontaneous human combustion is, because let's face it, yep. if you do something that pisses me off, I can spontaneously combust into just anger, right? <laughs> I mean, a little different, but it's, it's possible. So uh, in this case, what we're actually talking about is basically a a type of death from a fire originating without an apparent external source of ignition. Uh, in this case, the fire is believed to start within the body of the victim. Now, there's theory stating that uh, as your body, uh, your body temperature rises, it can get to a certain climax that basically forces you to burst into flames. Now, there's one issue with that that theory, I guess, or that explanation. And that is in order to combust into flames, do you know how hot your body actually has to be about? Uh, I don't know the degrees, but really, really hot because yeah, we're... Um, just reading through this stuff, it talked about uh, crematoriums and how hot they really have to get it to break the body right. down. Right. So in order to actually have this happen, your body would have to reach a temperature of 1600 degrees. Uh, so that's 1600 degrees Fahrenheit. Mind you, we sit right around, uh, you know, 98.6, right? 98.5, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I actually sit a little on the lower spectrum around 97 something. So that's a lot of heat that would have to build over time. And you would think that people who are feverish, would slowly get worse, you know, obviously as mm -hmm. become, even with fevers, you know, once you start breaking that 110, 112, uh, you start having issues uh, aside from the typical issues that you have with fevers. Uh, you know, your mind starts going, you start hallucinating, you have all kinds of different problems uh, with, with your body functioning uh, just because it's way overheated. So, you know, I think just the explanation of, hey, 
our bodies reaching 1600 degrees Fahrenheit before bursting into flames is kind of like, well, that don't make a lot of sense. I mean, I don't even know how that's possible. Um, but nonetheless, there have been plenty of cases, uh, some of which you'll discuss later, in which uh, you know people walk into a house and sure enough, there's somebody completely cremated sitting in a chair uh, and the flames went nowhere but that chair. It didn't engulf the rest of the house, didn't even destroy the entire chair. It just seems to have left an imprint of the body uh, and the surround, slight surrounding spaces of it uh, with nothing really left. So the real question is, well, what's happening? And of course, the big question, can the body actually combust into flames without an external ignition? I mean, I think the obvious question is yes, because, just because in all of these cases and, and throughout the, the material that I came across, the science cannot 100% definitively say what's causing this problem. Um, and, you know, we can, we can speculate uh, several of, of the explanations wanted to talk about um, a lot of these people and uh, people that this happened to being older, uh, that they had a drinking problem. Um, some of the cases were they died by a heat source, but in those cases, the doctor had deemed that that was not the source of the fire and what killed them. Um, right. And it's interesting, like going through, uh, there was three articles that I came across Britannica, which you also came across. Um, an article by our friend Ben Radford uh, called Spontaneous Human Combustion Facts and Theories, which was very, very uh, informative and interesting. He tends to err on the the skeptical side of um, a lot of these topics. You know, we've had him on about uh, Chupacabra and um, the, the, the clowns, the, about the clown attacks and, and just scary clowns. So it was interesting to read through his his take on it as well. Um, he, of course, like I said, is very skeptical about it. Uh, that they're not to say that it's paranormal or, or anything like that, but it, it's unexplainable. So, really, what is going on here? Um, he he had brought up that also that uh, these people also had cigarettes, candles, open flames by their bodies a lot of times. Um, but in the long run, they were not deemed by the coroner as dying from a, a flame, a, an external flame. Let's put it that way. Um, so it, I, I found it really fascinating that like we were, I read Britannica and in the article, um, they specifically say, quote, unquote, none of the proposed scientific explanations for how a body would spontaneously burst into flames have held up to scrutiny. Meaning they, they can't explain 100% that whatever they're trying to say happened, happened. Right. Well, right, so let's look at some interesting things because you mentioned a couple stuff there that I think we should just talk a little bit about. Uh, but before we do, uh, just to make everybody quite aware, I'm sure everyone's aware of this, I would hope I mean, if you've graduated from 
preschool, you probably know this. Um, our bodies are about 60% to 70% of non-flammable flammable water. Uh, and the simple fact is it would take the body a very, very long time to completely disintegrate uh, by simple fire because we would constantly be putting that fire out as we slowly bleed out and all the water runs out and mm -hmm. you know all the gross stuff right so that fact alone would suggest we would never actually fully uh burn to to powder right even when you see people who have uh passed away in a car fire the car fires they tend to go for a very long time before they're finally ignited or uh distinguished and even then there's still a charred body in there it's not ashes, you know, there's still somebody, right. a body present. Uh, it didn't but in get this hot case, enough. Right. And so with spontaneous combustion, we're talking about a full, full disintegration of the body minus maybe a couple of bones, teeth, things like that, things that don't typically uh, burn up. Uh, well, you know, the that, one thing that I found, and I don't know if you found it, um, is in the cases that I'm going to read, most of the times, and even in uh, Ben's article uh, as well, he brings he had brought up that whole seventy to to eighty percent water. Um, okay. But in a lot of these cases, um, the extremities are left. The there was right. a case where lower limbs were left and a couple fingers, um, and a couple other cases where like parts of the legs were left, which is even more weird. Right. So, you know, well, first thing is if we're, if the body's water, what is a way for possible ignition, right? If we're talking about interior uh, or internal ignition, one thing that you mentioned was alcohol content. Someone who's alcoholic tends to have a higher probability of spontaneously combusting. And that's the belief that as your blood becomes more saturated with alcohol content, higher alcohol content, that alcohol can potentially ignite. That is of course a false fact. Uh, which means it's not a fact. It's just a false statement. Um, right. It's an old wives tale actually, type deal. Right. Yeah. Your body can't actually be saturated with that much alcohol. I mean, it, you'd be dead way before you ignited into flames uh, with that much of the amount of alcohol that you would need. Uh, so that's already out of the question. The other thing is there's just no real, like e even there's no real theory as to why we would combust from the inside. There's no reason why we would heat up to 1600 degrees or, or why someone would, uh, you know, so that comes to brings us to another theory that it could be external. And that the best option here is that the clothing that the person's wearing uh, could be laced with a type of chemical that basically acts uh, as a wick, something that has kind of a waxiness uh, that would actually attract the flame and cause it to linger much longer than it would if the clothing was just normal cotton without any special, you know, dyes or materials sewed within. Uh, and so there's a belief that maybe some of these people who did quote unquote spontaneously combusted might have been wearing a type of fabric that once ignited by an external flame, that is a cigarette that fell or, you know, a candle or, you know, a, a match, whatever, uh, it, it basically burned almost immediately and just kept burning as it was continually being fed by this wax-like material that was in the clothing. Um, mm -hmm. Which, of course, still leaves us with another question. Why is it that in most of these cases, these people don't seem to move at all? 
Why do they right. always just seem to be in one place and only one place? You know, most people who would be on fire, I mean, maybe it's just television. I've never watched a person actually <laughs> ignite. Um, right. But, you know, you're you're moving. You, you jump, you, you know, you catch on fire. You stop, drop and roll. We learned that literally in preschool. Um, right. You know, so why are these people just sitting there or standing there or whatever? And of course, there's the, uh, the possibility that they were passed out, right? Completely drunk. Right. Maybe if spontaneous combustion is real, by the time their body hit that 1600 degrees, they were already gone. Done right. and dead because the amount of heat that would have destroyed every internal organ, probably, especially the brain. Um, so there is that possibility. But again, there's still no scientific speculation and there's really no uh, paranormal theory that I know of that would suggest why a human body could raise to the type of temperatures that would be needed for a body to spontaneously combust into flames and disintegrate them. Right. Unless you're on well, God's bad side and he just <laughs> snaps his fingers and there you go. You're right. Well, <laughs> back in the early ages that was the explanation was they were smited by god right <laughs> <laughs> um we'll get into my particular theory after the break because i i do i, I i've thought about this i've talked about it with my wife and I, I have some interesting theories on this and i would love to hear your take on them but i'd rather we get the facts out there first before we go into our own particular theories on this um, so I think we've kind of covered pretty much what's in these articles that we came across, um, what the scientists and, and even people that are, are, uh, speculative are about, are, are thinking, um, skeptical, sorry, I keep wanting to say the other, um, but, uh, so we'll, let's get into some of these cases. There's 10 cases that I came across. I, I'm sure there's tons more uh, uh, that are claimed to be spontaneous human combustion. There have been investigations into a lot of these cases, so maybe that's why they've whittled them down to 10, because there has been no particular um, investigation into these particular ones that could say 100% that uh, this happened. Um, so I'm going to start with the first case because it's the oldest case and it's a really interesting one. Uh, it's about a man named Polonus Vors, uh, Vorsus, and, uh, he was an Italian knight late in the late 1400s who liked wine, women, and song. Uh, he consumed quote, two ladles of very strong wine one night and it disagreed with him. People say that he immediately vomited flame and then burst into flames entirely. No one else seemed to have any problem with the wine, and people who were, or I'm sorry, people were baffled as to how this happened. They're still baffled now. There's been no further investigation or explanation as to what would have happened. Um, I, I mean, in this particular case, possibly, if if there's any scientific um explanation to this maybe a piece uh, or a, a a piece of wick or something from a candle that was lighting where he was fell onto the alcohol if it was strong alcohol and it would have lit flame 
and if he swallowed it, he would, of course, have been vomiting the flame. Um, doesn't explain why he would have just burst into flames after that. I mean, but it's, I mean, yeah, well, well, consider, um, I mean, have you ever used, I mean, you know, when we were kids, we were stupid, right? Uh, you ever taken like uh, an aerosol can of, right? I mean, yep. pretty much use anything, spray it into a and flame, use a flame thrower. fireball. Yeah. Right? If you sit there long enough and watch it, that flame slowly creeps closer and closer to the nozzle that the spray is coming out of. Uh, now, imagine something like gasoline. There is a story about a guy who was riding his motorcycle. He was drunk. He's staying by a bonfire, ran out of booze. What's the next best thing to drink when you don't have booze? Gasoline. So he drank a ton of gasoline and ended up throwing up into the bonfire and of course, that fire ignited the gasoline, went up into his mouth, into his belly, and poof, just fire everywhere, right? Um, so with that, obviously, the what you're, the story you're telling us, maybe the facts aren't entirely clear. Maybe the story has been kind of askewed a bit. There's a mm-hmm. possibility that this guy is a smoker. Maybe he's trying to light a cigarette or something like that, and he just happens to vomit um, at the same time. And then that flame could have ignited and it could have traveled almost immediately and you know if if he spills it on himself or whatever wherever that flame goes liquid if it's ignited Mm. already it's gonna go right right? it's gonna catch everything else on fire that it touches so that's a possibility right and and this is all of course speculation because that these are very short uh accounts for the most part um we will actually get into an actual um, eyewitness account, which I thought was fascinating. Um, but uh, next one that I came across was from the 1700s uh, about the Countess Cornelia de Bondi. Uh, she was found one morning uh, standing in front of a window, and she was completely ash except for her lower legs and three fingers. Uh, She had apparently calmly risen from her bed to open the window in the middle of the night, but combusted before she could reach the window. In the room, two candles had burned, or at least the tallow had been burned. The wicks were left completely unburnt. Soot covered the room, including some bread on a plate that she had left on a table. Uh, Just as indication of how strange the 1700s were, the bread was taken from the plate and offered to the dog, and the dog refused it. I mean, if something smelled like my master, I would too. Right. I would think. Well, but I have a theory here. But when, when, what date was this? It was the 1700s. It doesn't give us 1700s. Okay. So I mean, I didn't live in the 1700s. So of course, it's speculation. But maybe glass wasn't quite made the way it is today, right? And perhaps there's a bit of a magnifying effect happening. She opened the curtain, and the sun was magnified immediately under her chest, and it was so hot that she just. You ever done it to ants? <laughs> When I was a kid, I used to burn ants like crazy with magnifying glasses. Now I save them all because I have to make up for all those horrible, horrible things <laughs> that we used to do as children. <laughs> um, all right, next one. Uh, this comes from uh, Paris in 1775. Uh, Nicole Millet, the wife of a Parisian in- innkeeper in 1725 was found after her husband roused the entire inn when he smelled smoke 
What was left of her was in the kitchen, almost completely reduced to ash, with the wooden utensils around her unburned. Other accounts have her burned on her straw pallet, with the straw only a little damaged. That looked suspicious, and so her husband was tried and found guilty of murder. On appeal, though, he used the spontaneous human combustion defense and was exonerated. Nicole's death was found to be due to a visitation of God. Hmm. I mean, it's it's biblical. It's possible. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why the seraphim are called the burning ones, right? Always in the presence of God, covering their eyes their or their face, their uh, feet, and flying with two wings as well. I mean, who knows? Right. All right. So now we're getting into some some other ones here. Um, this one goes back to 1967. This is actually a very interesting one. Uh, in 1967, a passenger on a bus in England noticed blue flames. Of course, they don't give names here um, as far as the eyewitnesses and whatnot. Um, noticed blue flames in the window of an apartment building hallway. She thought it was a gas jet and called the fire brigade. When they got to the place, they supposedly found the body of Robert Francis Bailey, a homeless man. A fireman reported seeing a slit in the man's abdomen from which blue flames were issuing. Interesting. And I mean, of course, if you're going to heat from anywhere, you're going to heat from the core. You're not going to spontaneously combust from your, your... appendages because that's where less blood flow is and and what have you so right so i i thought that one was kind of interesting because not only was this guy spontaneously combusting but there was an exit wound and supposedly they saw blue flames coming out of it right yeah that's interesting like i mean it's possible the only thing i can think of is I don't know, man. Like, I mean, obviously it gets a little more like my theory would be just so intricate, like the idea that somebody implanted a device inside of them and then ignited it. And that's where the blue things are coming from. Um, you know, obviously I mean, 1967, it could that is a possibility, at least. But like I said, it's interesting that these specific cases, I I didn't find anything. And, and folks, if you have information on any of these cases, I would love to see it. Um, but I didn't come across anything that said, "Oh, this has been debunked," or "This right. this particular case has been debunked." So, all right. So another one is from 1970 again in France. Uh, Jeanette Kazmierzak Kez- lived with her husband and son in France in the 1970s. Uh, her hus- when her husband disappeared mysteriously, Jeanette contacted the authorities to try and find them, find him. Uh, they couldn't find anything. A few days le- later, while her son was out with friends, a neighbor found Jeanette's body, except for her legs, reduced to ash in an otherwise undetermined apartment. Again, weird thing where the legs weren't burnt. Right. 
Well, I mean, it, it really depends on where, again, where this ignition is happening. Uh, because even if her, her shirt was ignited, I mean, flames travel upward. They do travel down, but it takes a while for it to do so. So it's very possible that it would have snuffed itself out uh, by the time it consumed her lower body. Um, but the upper half, obviously, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, flames crawl. Uh, what was that? Stupid ads. Oh. <laughs> I thought we had fairies <laughs> <laughs> or gnomes or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, flames crawl, crawl upwards. You know, they, that's, I mean, that's the way I've always seen them, you know, work their magic. Right. So that's, but who knows? Well, and that's something that, that Ben Rapper brought up in his, his article too, that usually flame climbs up, not out. So, right. It, it's still an odd thing. I, I honestly, for the most part, can't say I can give a 100% distinguishable uh, theory on any of these cases, but... Yeah. Well, and, and just to... I mean, I'm, uh, just to throw it out there, because there might be someone who, and myself included, I might have, if not thinking about it, might be like, well, what about forest fighter, for forest fires? They tend to spread sideways, outward, but even then, you need to have an external source that's helping it move, and that is, of course, wind. You know, so the higher right. the winds or any type of wind, it's going to help push it further. Not to mention, when you have uh, in something like a forest fire, you have various brush, grass, trees, whatever, overlaying each other. Uh, if you have a piece of grass that's not on fire, but the tip of it is touching where the flame is, well, now that whole thing's going to ignite, and it's going to continue doing that. Um, so. Right. You know, if there was some sort of downward force that was pushing these flames downward, uh, they'd have to be at a significantly heavy rate of push um, just because there's so much, I mean, I, without the lack of a better word, so much density pushing upward on these flames. You know, it's consuming oxygen and that oxygen is rising because uh, heat rises. Right. Well, and something else that Ben had brought up too is that when a flame no longer has fuel what does it do it sputters out and dies it doesn't spread uh in uh, some of these cases though i mean people are are spontaneously combusting in their homes you would think furniture if the body is close enough would ignite and if the house is made of wood it would ignite so it I guess we should have had him on for this episode so we can explain <laughs> well, a little bit. And I think that's where you have to consider some of these theories where maybe the clothing had something. You think of uh, people who are cooking, you know, they might be splattered with grease uh, or some type of uh, fumes that linger onto the body that are ignitable. Um, and then these things tend to burn. Once they ignite, they tend to burn fast. So if they're burning really fast and they consume its source of fuel quickly, it would just snuff itself out before having the ability to heat up the to surrounding area else. enough to continue growing. That makes sense. All right. These next three don't have any particular years associated with them. Um, so, or actually I think four, um, but it, they are very interesting accounts. 
Uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida, a landlady was making the rounds in her apartment building when she noticed one doorknob was incredibly high. Uh, first of all, a landlady making rounds? Is this a halfway house? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of it, but unless this is back in the day, but it doesn't give it doesn't give a year. So um, the tenant, Mary Reeser, did not respond to her calls, and so she called for people to open the door. Inside, she found Reeser's remains in the middle of a six-foot scorched area of carpet. A chair and an end table in the middle of the scorch mark were upright, indicating that there was no activity. Nearby on the floor, a pile of newspapers were untouched by the flames. The body, and the other hand, on the other hand, was reduced to ash except for a skull and a completely undamaged foot. Some reports, which just may be exaggerated, say that the skull was shrunk down to the size of a teacup, which it, you, you can't shrink a skull just by combustion. I, I, If I'm not mistaken, I could be completely wrong on that too, but mm. I've never heard of a skull shrinking just because it's on fire. Right. All right, next one, um, Jack Angel, uh, who had been hospitalized with severe burns, brought a court case against the manufacturer of his hot water heater from for $3 million. He said that he went to check the malfunctioning heater, and it blew and scalded him. However, a doctor noted that his body had burned from the inside out, not the outside in. Shortly afterwards, he changed his story and said he fell asleep only to wake up with terrible burns all over his body and sold his story as a survivor of spontaneous human combustion. Was he one of the only people to survive spontaneous human combustion? Only some people can say, I guess. Um, but Ben brought up a very interesting uh, rare medical condition called Stevens-Johnson syndrome, that in extreme cases may be mistaken for a case of an aborted spontaneous combustion, the skin disease, which can be triggered by a toxic reaction to medications, including antibiotics and prescription painkillers, causes the appearance of severe burns and blisters and can be fatal. Quote, unquote. Hmm. All right. I've got three more left. Uh, this one is about a gentleman in Crown Point, New York. Uh, he was watching an episode of Twilight Zone and just spontaneously combusted. No other information, so I I start. I'm really that's that's questioning. weird. Yeah, that's weird. That's the most <laughs> mysterious thing that you've said all night of and all shows to be watching. They don't. They they don't report what episode he was watching when he combusted either. So. Oh, we know what episode it was. Something with spontaneous combustion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, this is actually an eyewitness case, and it's it's very fascinating to me. Um, there's only one case of human combustion for which there is a witness, which I don't know how true that is because a lot of these other stories they're saying people saw or people said. So there had to have been witnesses for others. But 
A mentally disabled woman lived with her father who cared for her. One day, he saw a flash out of the corner of his eye and turned to find her on fire. Despite the flames, she continued to quietly sit in a chair, not reacting and not giving any indication she was in pain. The man's attempts to put the fire out left him with burned hands. Uh, the woman lived through the combustion, but slipped into a coma and died shortly afterwards. This indicates one of the strangest parts of human combustion, and you brought this up, Eric. It takes a very hot flame to reduce a human body to ash. Crematoriums have special chambers designed for it. However, in almost all combustion cases, there's no burns in the room around the body, indicating that the person simply stayed in one place. Whatever the cause of this combustion, it seems to knock people out first, or maybe numbs their nerves. Okay, last one is the most recent case reported, and this was from Ireland in 2011. Um, people found the burned body of an elderly man lying with his head near the furnace of his apartment. Coroners determined, though, that the furnace was not the source of the uh, conflagration, conflagration. I have no idea how to pronounce that word. Nor was there any accelerant on the body nor was there any evidence of foul play. This case was typical of spontaneous human combustion in that there were no marks on the floor and ceiling directly below and above the body, but no other burn marks anywhere in the room. And that's the last one. Hmm. So interesting yeah. stories. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just it's it's all so weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and to think that there's this many cases, and yet there's still no real scientific explanation as to why uh, it, it it's happening. You know, um, right? You know, obviously it's all there, there's speculation theory. Um, but the fact that there's not even the slightest bit of information that can help us understand the true uh the true reason i guess behind spontaneous combustion is a little scary because it, i think it leaves some, at least some people thinking well can that just happen to me now you know or overnight right. you know what happens and i do remember when you know when i was younger and in middle school that was something i was worried about too especially like learning about it like oh this just happens randomly like <laughs> Most of these cases, these people aren't sick. They're they're not hurting. They're not you know. It's nothing happened prior. It just seems to have happened spontaneously. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, a bit of a fear aspect to it uh, when when you really start thinking about it. Well, and in in all these articles that I came across, uh, at least the two that weren't the cases, uh, it brings up a good point that spontaneous human combustion is in a lot of fiction too mm -hmm. so I, I mean that that could kind of add to the fear and, and people's recollection of what happened too they just read a story about human uh spontaneous human combustion and they see somebody on fire and they're like oh my god he just burst into flames right in front of my eyes 
Oh, for sure. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, especially when you consider, I mean, how many times have you been walking down the road or driving and you catch something out the corner of your eye, but you only catch a portion of it. And, you know, it's like, what happened to the rest of the story? You know, people don't know that, oh, that person spilled alcohol on him and he lit a match and a spark flew down and, you know, ignited it. All we see is the combustion. (laughs) It was like, oh, just randomly. Um, so I think a lot of these stories are in terms of context, aren't fully fleshed out. You know, I, I think some of these stories that you told us might be, uh, you know, these are people who are scared, who are relating these stories, people who are making, you know, whatever excuse they need to, to stay out of prison or, uh, you know, going stay sane. Yeah. But, you know, based on what little information they have and they're coming up with these stories and we all do that. Right. Uh, I mean, how many times do we tell a story? Right. And the further away from the event, you know, in terms of days or weeks or months that we get, the more that story slowly starts to change. Right. I mean, I think there's so many times where like I've told stories and it's so boring at the beginning. It's just like, Oh yeah, I did this and this and this and later on it develops. Right. And you don't mean it to happen. It just does. Uh, And I think a lot of people do that. It's in, that could be in a way part of what's happening here too. You know, there is a reasonable, simple explanation to all of these uh, mysteries it just so happens that either A, the witnesses weren't there to see the initial part Combustion. in which it ignited, yep. uh, or they were, and they kind of blocked it out and developed their own story to go along with it. And not to say that they believe that story to be a lie. I think uh, the majority of us, when they tell when we tell those kind of expanded, fun stories, we actually believe them to be true, and we remember them that way. Uh, and that's what makes them the type of stories that they are. Uh, so right. you know, I don't think these are blatant lies. I think they're just the way that humanity uh, t- tends to remember things. Right. Well, and something that uh, another thing that Ben brought up in his article is if humans are spontaneously combusting, why aren't dogs, cats, cows, uh, elephants, any animal uh, other than humans and, and, um, we'll get into uh, my theory on that uh, right after Eric's random fact of the day uh, and a quick commercial. We will be right back. Right after. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Did you know that the most complicated word in the English language only has three letters? According to a YouTube channel called Reaction Time, that word is run and apparently has 645 different meanings. 
Upon a little extra research, we find that the reason is actually due to the fact that the word run can be used as an adjective, a noun, or a verb. This was Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Hi, I'm Brooke Haley Martin. And I'm Erin Skrback. And we have a little web series called Audition, Audition Life. Life. Inspired by true events, our series focuses on all the things that could potentially go wrong in an audition. And trust me, what can go wrong will. You can watch the series by going on www.auditionlifetheseries.com or by following us on the Instagram handle at Audition Life the Series. Break, Break a, a leg! What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we are talking about spontaneous human combustion. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a wild ride, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is probably one of the creepiest topics that I think we've talked about in terms of a natural event. Uh, I, I can't say there's not anything necessarily paranormal happening here. I mean, unless it is literally God spiting people or the devil <laughs> coming up and taking the souls, right? Um, right. Jokes aside, though, you know, it's a weird concept to, to wrap your mind around because there just isn't enough evidence to tell us what's truly happening in these circumstances. Uh, so here we are left with all of these stories and all of these theories that we have to now pick up the pieces and put them together like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, and being that, you know, people like Justin and myself who are scientists, paranormal scientists, in the sense of paranormal study and research, uh, you know, right. we can only go so far. I mean, I don't understand the human body uh, quite the way a health professor might understand it, right? Or a doctor. So we can only go so far as to our speculations. But in my own opinion, at least so far, I, I think there is some sort of natural cause to, to this uh mystery I, I think it is an ex there's an external ignition uh somehow uh whether that's grease on the clothing or alcohol or uh the type of material used in clothing um type of lotion at the certain at a certain time i mean i i don't know maybe back in the 1700s was there normal lotion like we have today did they use uh certain types of fats as lotion you know i mean fat ignites i mean in candles they would use pig fat or or animal fat to make candles so right and so i mean we don't we i mean we don't know the professions of some of these people who did right night but maybe they were candle makers you know maybe maybe you know maybe they were chef, uh, cooks you know or you know they were they had a lot of grease uh, food grease stains uh, on their clothes that ignite i mean grease fires are one of the most dangerous fires uh that can ignite. Right. I mean, you, you can't right. easily put them on. If you try to throw water on it, all it does is spread the fire, right? Right. Uh, so that's a possibility. I mean, and if that's the case, how do we know? Like, maybe these people have grease on their clothing. It burns the flesh. The flesh is 70% water. <laughs> it just spreads the fire. I mean, right. maybe that's a little exaggerated, but who knows? It's possible, right? Right. So I have a a couple of theories and you're probably going to laugh at me. Um, okay. But do you believe in pyrokinesis? Uh, you know, I was researching it a couple of weeks ago and 
maybe perhaps i mean i i believe in a couple of kinesises right right so sure. my thought on this was and, and um it, it i mean of course i i am well aware it's kind of far out there but um i thought about this and i'm like well maybe these people uh were pyrokinetic didn't realize it and somehow manifested the flame inside of themselves instead of controlling flame outside of the body. Um, again, I, I completely get that that's really far out there. I, I understand that. But I, I am a firm believer in, like you said, the, the kinetics of the mind. Um, and so that was one of my theories is maybe these people were just... A, a victim of circumstance in a sense. Well, um, hold, no, hold, hold up before you go on too far. Cause you might have to refresh my memory here, but is pyrokinesis, uh, the ability to produce flame from nothing, or do you have to have a source that you can then manipulate to expand flame and make it move? No pyrokinesis. If my definition is right, I didn't look up the definition is just the control uh, of fire with the mind. And that's why, this theory is way out there because you would need an ignition source inside the body in order for you to do that as a pyrokinetic. Right. But you never know. Heartburn. <laughs> That's not te technically a flame, though. Oh. <laughs> uh... um, but maybe it Love. is. I, the burning Again, flame of love. That's what it is. Just a, a figure of speech. <laughs> uh, okay. Continue, <laughs> please. Uh, the other one, which was interesting, actually, my wife Shelly brought this up. Maybe it people die and the spirit leaves the body and somehow causes a combustion reaction. Again. It, it, very speculative idea, but we don't know what happens when we die, when we leave our body. Does does a chemical reaction happen when the spirit leaves the body? Right. Yeah, you're right. We, we, we don't know the answer to that specific question. Um, and we know that the spirit is a energy source. Now, whether the, that energy source is capable of creating heat uh, in and of right. itself... Uh, you know, who, who we don't really know. Uh, right. Anyway, so, I mean, maybe you're right, you know, maybe, I mean, to, <laughs> this is kind of also out there jumping into the deep, uh, deep end. Uh, but is there more to the saying, the spark of life, right? Could it be an mm -hmm. initial in a, a literal spark? Or is it just a figment uh, of speech? We, you know, we don't really know. I, I think, obviously, like you said, a lot of your ideas, my this idea now is kind of crazy, but crazy tends to hit in plenty of places. Um, you know, right. so who knows? I mean, who the heck really knows? I, I think there's a lot of um, science that could help explain some of that, even some of those theories, uh, using various, various things, like even just thermal imaging, you know, I mean, it's kind of messed up, but thermal imaging when someone passes away, what, what right. really happens, you know, is there some sort of heat source? Who knows? Right. Well, and you, you've done a lot of research in, into 
the Bible and, and Christianity. Um, has there ever been any um, cases or, or uh, any anything that you've come across where a demonic possession case might have caused something like this? Uh, someone bursting into flames? <laughs> or like breaking out in blisters or... Oh, sure. Anything Blister, like that. Yeah, sure. Blisters and various other I mean, diseases and things like that. Um, nothing in which somebody burst into flames. Uh, but, you know, p- demonic possession has, it, both in scripture and in various accounts throughout the world, uh, have proved, I guess in some sense, to create or the ability to create blisters on a person's skin, their hands, their arms, their feet. Uh, you know, some of these blisters could be could be a heat source. I think most recognize it as a type of disease. Uh, boils, for example, uh, isn't quite blisters, but it is a, a, a disease of the skin that can happen. Um, you know, so I, it's weird because I think when we talk about blisters and boils and things like that, you know, these are things that can happen without heat necessarily you know if you have some sort of irritant uh, on the skin you know think of uh, spider bites for example that create blisters mm. that's not because of heat it's because of a type of venom that they're using uh, in their pincers right the little fangs so <clears throat> i mean sure there there obviously there's possibilities here that demons can have some sort of naysay and what's happening but i don't think there's enough evidence to say oh yeah they could just cause the body to spontaneously combust um right you know it's yeah i don't know i mean it's one of those things where the evidence that exists is so minuscule that you would have to actually stretch it significantly to prove a point right so all we can say is yeah there have been historical events in which somebody had blisters or did this you know leprosy uh, has blisters, you know, people have blisters and stuff like that, but that's about as far as we can take it. Right. So we, we've talked about everything in the gamut. Um, and you mentioned this before I went into my particular theories of you thinking that there is a logical explanation. If you had to pinpoint listening to all the stories and the, the different, uh, ideas and stuff like that. Would you say that there has has to be some type of logical explanation to this? I, I mean, I think so. I think there has to be. Um, I mean, the fact that there just isn't any evidence whatsoever to support like this spontaneous combustion thing. Uh, I, I think there has to be some sort of reasonable explanation because um, otherwise, I think we would have probably found. The source by now if it was internal right well and with the last case being in 2011 raises the question why has this not happened since then yeah you know and again i i think i think the results um with technology has really upped the game in terms of the diagnosis to this type of thing, right? right. Uh, I, I think, you know, when you're talking about the 1700s, there wasn't the technology or the ability to really 
dig deep and you know get to the bottom of whatever the source was what what really happened i mean most people um or, or what would you call them um uh fire investigators right when mm-hmm. they come after a scene to try to figure out what the source was usually if it's a house fire they're looking at electrical um you know the electrical outlets and things like that to right see where you right. know they'll look at the furnace stuff like that um, you know, and so I think in most cases when these investigator investigators come in and they see somebody who's basically disintegrated, they probably find a source or they at least jump to the conclusion that there must have been an external source. Someone who was smoking and dropped a cigarette while drinking, passed out, was so blackout drunk that they didn't wake up, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, so I, I think really the, the, the explanation has become less, um, less mythical and more, I guess, real. So, you know, it's more so the likelihood is this happened with an external source as opposed to, oh, well, the likelihood is this mystery that nobody really knows or understands. So let's just tell the family that that happened, right? It it doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Like people want explanation. So you know, I don't know. I don't know if investigators necessarily believe that there is an external source, but that's definitely the answer I think that they're going with, and that's why we haven't seen this phenomena since, uh, or at least in such a long time, is because science is changing uh, the way it looks at some of these products uh, or byproducts, right. I guess. Or in twenty twelve. We switched realities where people can't come spontaneously combust anymore. Or in 2012, we all spontaneously combusted and we're all living in a whole new reality where we're actually dead. And it's just our spirits continuing on. If we look back in the past, we would just find dust. (laughs) A whole (laughs) desert of human dust. Human dust. Oh, gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and (laughs) I don't think I ever told you about this in this is completely off topic because we're getting into the, this little bit of side uh, note, but uh, there was a, a theory that I came across. Um, I talked about this on the episode I did um, on beyond reason, the round table um, that in 2012, the world really did end and we were put into a simulated reality so that we could survive until uh, the earth was habitable again. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we and we've talked we've talked about the simulated reality. We don't have to go right. into all that, but yeah, um, you know, I mean, I don't. I, I guess it's possible if you want to to go that route. Um, I mean, I guess. It's weird, right? Because I mean, obviously, I don't remember anything significant happening, um, and I know you. But would we? Don't. But would we? Well, that's the that's the main question: is would we? Would, how would that switch? Would it just be the event is such a smooth transition that everything continues on the way that it is, or you know what? Right? Um, I, there was something we were talking about back in 2012, actually, that would have or close to 2012, because we had mentioned it a couple of times. I, was that back when we were talking about the uh, the Bernstein Bear thing? Uh, we've brought it up on this uh, this 
show, so I'm not sure the the Mandela effect. Yeah, Mandela effect. Um, I'm not sure so, if we talked about it in 2012 or not, but we have talked okay. about it on Paratruth Radio. On Paratruth Radio, okay. So, I mean, if that's the case, it's it's very possible because I mean, I remember definitely that title being different when I was a kid, and whenever that transition happened, if it really did, or if I'm just I don't know, semi-deaf, blind, and can't false, read. False memories, right. Yeah. Right, false memories. So who knows? I mean, I guess it's possible that whenever that reality flipped or changed, there were small fractions that changed that we should have, you know, shouldn't have noticed, but we did. And now we got everyone running the matrix, like, what the hell? What do we do to stop this? People <laughs> are starting to learn, right? So right. I or are time travelers changing time and reality? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, if right. time traveling exists, maybe. Well, and time is a human construct, first and foremost, and there has been this, this conversation. I know this is completely off topic, folks. We'll end the show very, very soon. Um, but if, if we're uh, talking about time... And how it is all kind of running together at the same time. Maybe they're, you know, it, we're, we're experiencing our present. But maybe the future is already going on. We just, we're living in this, this particular time. Right. We're living through this particular time. But. Yeah. But, okay. I know we went on a huge rabbit trail, guys. I. I, I just wanted to get that all of that out there. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, I th- I don't think we've ever touched on this topic in any of the shows we've done. No. And that really raises the question, like why has this topic just gone out the window? It, it was something that fascinated me and I'm glad we decided to do it because we've never done it. And, and now we've, kind of thrown it all out there. So I hope you guys have been enjoyed the show. Uh, please let us know what, what your thoughts are opinions. Um, we, we would love to hear what you guys have to say. Of course you can comment on and anywhere that you listen. Uh, you can reach out to us at newlanternmedia.com. Uh, just click on the contact page and we will get your, your message. You can also, direct email at newlanternmedia1 at gmail.com. I mean, if you're listening on the website, of course, that that contact page would be the easiest way to do it. But um, any further thoughts, questions, concerns before we go out for the evening? Uh, Drink plenty of water. (laughs) And don't smoke while you're drinking. (laughs) So uh, until next week, folks, where you will find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is
Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.